It was uh, the uh, Scottish-born, Scottish-American pastor and two-time U.S. Senate chaplain uh, by the name of Peter Marshall uh, who wrote a Christmas prayer. And I want to pray that over us this morning, or this evening, and I want to pray that for us this evening. But I want to do it as a reminder. I want to do it as a reminder of all that God did by sending His Son to die for the reconciliation of our sins. And he did it specifically to bring peace in a peaceless world. And so this evening, let's pray and let's focus on why God sent Jesus. And I'm going to be praying this prayer that Peter Marshall wrote so many years ago during his very short time here on earth. Let's pray together. We yearn, our Father, for the simple beauty of Christmas for all the old familiar melodies and words that remind us of that great miracle, when He who had made all things was one night to come as a babe to lie in the crook of a woman's arm. Before such mystery we kneel as we follow the shepherds and wise men to bring these the, the gift of our love, a love we confess, has not always been as warm or sincere or real as it should have been. But now on this Christmas day, that love would find its beloved, and from thee receive the grace to make it pure again, warm and real. We bring you our gratitude for every token of your love, for all the ways that you has, have heaped blessing upon us during the years that have gone. And we do pray, Lord Jesus, that as we celebrate your birthday, May we do it in a manner well-pleasing to you. May we all do and say every tribute of our hearts bring honor to your name, that we, your people, may remember your birth and feel your presence among us even yet. May the loving kindness of Christmas not only creep into our hearts, but there abide so that not even the return to earthly cares and responsibilities, not all the festivities of our own device, may cause it to creep away again. May the joy and the spirit of Christmas stay with us now and forever. In the name of Jesus, who came to save his people from their sins, even in that lovely name, we pray this evening. Amen. There uh, exists in this world a list. It's a, uh, it's a list that in some respects, some ways, defines our modern generation. It's defined our modern times. It's a list that is ageless in one sense and yet in a matter of moments can become ancient. And it's a list that we all know a little bit about. There are names on that list, however, that are little known. Names like Bertha Von Suttner, William Randall Creamer, Ernesto Teodoro Manetta, and Willie Brand. And there are names on this list that we all know and that are world-renowned. Names like Woodrow Wilson, Martin Luther King Jr., Henry Kissinger, Mother Teresa, and Kofi Annan. Of course, you may already have found out what that list is and thought about that list. And the list that I'm speaking of is, of course, the Nobel Peace Prize laureate list. And for years, that Nobel Peace Prize that's issued on an annual basis was issued for someone or some organization that throughout that previous year brought extraordinary peace into a situation where peace previously didn't exist. 
they or the group of people might have demonstrated an, an extraordinary effort to bring peace, maybe globally. Maybe they brought peace to a certain region. And in some case, they brought peace to a particular group of people that may have been warring with another group of people. Well, in recent years, one could um, argue that the Nobel Peace Prize has become watered down. It's become kind of a political thing to attribute to. It's uh, maybe become political and, and perhaps even irrelevant. But in years past, it literally have, has defined that year or maybe even that generation, whoever that was given to, whether it was a single person or a group of people. But one thing you may not know is, is that in our not-too-distant history, there have been some years where the Nobel Peace Prize was not given. There are some years where there's a gap in the Nobel Peace Prize award. And it's interesting to think about that on a planet where there are billions, I want you to catch that, billions of human beings that a person, one person, could not be found during that year that defined peace. Peace eludes human beings sometimes, doesn't it? Peace eludes human beings. But you know, it's interesting because it's never for a lack of conflict that one person who defined peace that year couldn't be found. Uh, conflict has abound ever since the beginning of humanity, hasn't it? I mean, ever since Adam and Eve took the first bite of that forbidden fruit, conflict abounded, didn't it? Ever since the beginning of time, ever since the uh, beginning of time and at the, when Adam and Eve bit into that fruit, ever since uh, Isaac got the promise of God rather than his half-brother Ishmael, conflict has abounded among human beings. Ever since Jacob stole the birthright from his brother Esau, conflict abounds. Ever since tribes and generations and nations have sought out land and resources, conflict has, abound, has abounded. Ever since brothers have had sisters, conflict has been present in humanity. Ever since husbands have had wives, dare I say, on Christmas Eve, conflict has been in humanity. There's not a time in our humanity that there hasn't been conflict. And even in a year, even in years past, that Nobel Peace Prize, that kind of uh, pinnacle of the award of someone who expresses and defines peace for that year, for that generation, there's not been one person that's been able to be found in certain times. Our world is constantly looking for peace, aren't we? We're constantly seeking out peace, and sometimes we even take military strategy to try to ultimately have peace. Some of you may have even seen recently, and uh, if you've paid attention to the news recently, uh, the U.S. military installation in Iraq has come to an end after many years. And so we, along with our allies, have called an end to our military action there. And so many here at home are rejoicing because things are better in Iraq than they were before. They're rejoicing because their loved ones who were once gone are now home, and in some cases they're home permanently. And so there's rejoicing. We can rejoice because of what happened over there because in a lot of senses, the mission was accomplished. In a lot of ways, the mission was accomplished. But you know what's interesting is that no one has ever said that there's peace in Iraq. In fact, if you really think about it, you can't really truly, truly say that there's ultimate peace even within our own borders, can you? You can't say that there's true and ultimate and lasting and total peace 
within our state or our region or even our local community. Peace eludes humanity always. It always does. One of my favorite novels is John Knowles' A Separate Peace, a story about boarding school boys during World War II trying to figure out life and trying to figure out life in a world where war is breaking out on every front. And these boys are trying to figure out, and what they find is, is they find a certain amount of peace, but even behind the walls of a very exclusive, wealthy boarding school, peace eluded them. And so peace for humanity is elusive. It's hard to find. And Isaiah, that great prophet of the nation of Israel, then writes in Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and say it with me, Prince of Peace. How can Isaiah say that? How could he have made the claim that there would be one that would bring ultimate peace? How could he have said that there's one that was going to be the promise was going to be the prince of peace. Peace has maybe even been more elusive for humanity since the time of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So how can we say that he is the one that's created peace on earth? Well, I want to consider for a moment on Christmas Eve 2011 what exactly that word peace means. And what does it mean that Jesus, the promised one, the Messiah, that we celebrate his birth tomorrow is the Prince of Peace. Well, let's take a look at what that means, Prince of Peace. Many of you probably know the Hebrew word that Isaiah used for peace in this situation. He used a very famous word that some of you may have studied, some of you may know it in depth, some of you may have heard it before. It's called shalom. We all now know that word in Hebrew called shalom. But to take a look at shalom and equate it exactly to our word peace would bring a very narrow understanding of what Isaiah really meant with that word shalom, with that word prince of peace. He meant something much more broad, and so let's take a look at its real meaning today. First of all, the one form of shalom means to make whole or to bring to completion. It's the same word that was used when Solomon was building the temple, and he said that the temple was brought to shalom, to completion. Isn't that amazing? There's another aspect of this word that literally means whole or full. And we see it used in Deuteronomy in the Bible, in Scripture, and used in Deuteronomy to describe a measurement. Something is full. It's brought up to completion. And there's another part of this word. I want you to stay with me on this one. It's the noun form of this word, and it means wholeness, fullness, or I want you to catch this, totality or completeness. Isn't that great? You see, Isaiah was predicting that this one who was to come was going to be the savior of humanity, and he described him as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, but he also said that he was going to be the prince of totality. Isn't that great? The prince, the completion of peace. And so when we take a look at peace, there's so much more that it means than just our view of what peace is. In fact, I want you to catch this. In essence, what shalom means is wholeness in the sense that no component or part is missing, impaired, or damaged. Not one part of it is missing, impaired, or damaged. It means that all parts are in harmony and in order and in unity. Isn't that amazing that that's what Jesus came to bring? 
Now I'm going to ask you tonight to, to make a leap for a moment because we talked about the peace that doesn't exist in our world, the conflict that nations have with other nations, the conflicts that we have internally in our family. Never comes up at Christmas, does it? Ever? Anyway, and so we talk about the conflict that brothers have with sisters and husbands have with wives and that neighbors have with each other. And we talk about the fact that peace eludes humanity. But I want you to make a leap this evening, because if we fail to make this jump, then we fail to understand how our lack of peace in our world connects with the peace that God wants. You see, all the way back in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were in communion with God, I want you to capture this, there was absolute, total peace, shalom. You see, there was a peace that existed between man, Adam and Eve, and God that's never existed ever again in the history of humanity. And you know why? Because at that moment that they took a bite from that fruit, sin entered the world. And all of a sudden, a perfect God could no longer have total communion, totality, completion in his relationship with mankind. And all of a sudden, in, in, a, in a picture of humanity and God and the narrative of God and man, all of a sudden the shalom that existed, the peace that existed was completely cut off. And because of that decision, because of what happened there in the Garden of Eden, we don't have peace today. It's the story of God and man. And Jesus was sent to this earth to bring fulfillment, to bring equilibrium between heaven and earth between God and mankind. And that's the story of Christmas. That's why the prophet Isaiah, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, predicted that he would be the Prince of Peace. You see, it's not the Prince of Peace between us and others, although it is in one sense. But what he was really talking about was the totality and the completion of peace between man and God. And let's face it, we needed it, didn't we? Because there was nothing that we could do as humans to do enough to get to God. There was nothing that we could do to undo the sins of the past. There was nothing that we could do to have a relationship with God beyond Him providing a way out. And He did through a little baby who would grow up to be truly the Prince of Peace. Now I want you to look at me this evening just for a moment. Today is Christmas Eve 2011, but what if it was your last day here on earth? And the question that I want to ask you tonight is, do you have that shalom that God offers through Jesus Christ? Do you have that peace with God right now? You see, we can talk about the narrative of God and man, and we can talk about the fact that God sent Jesus for humanity, but I want you to make it personal tonight. I want you to ask yourself the question, where am I with God? Have I accepted the peace that the Prince of Peace came to give? Or have I just sat and listened year after year after the message of Christmas is given over and over again and not accepted him as my Savior? You see, God sent Jesus for the sole purpose of bringing peace, not just for humanity, not just for your neighbors, not just for your families, not just for your friends, not just for the island of Hilton Head, but he came to bring peace into each one of your lives. And if you've never accepted him as your savior, if you've never said yes to the peace that he offers, 
Why not make Christmas Eve 2011 the time that you say yes to God? Here in a few minutes, I'm going to give you the opportunity to ask him to be your savior. And I want to encourage you, if you've never asked Jesus to be the prince of peace of your life, to do that tonight. I mean, make the determination, man, I'm not going to leave here until I ask Jesus to be my savior. And I'll guide you through that here in a few moments. But I would imagine that there are many of you who are Christ followers, and today's application is a little bit different for you. You see, wrapped up in this whole idea that Isaiah said that Jesus, the promised one, the Messiah, would be the Prince of Peace, is a call to action for those of us who are Christ followers. You see, when we say yes to Jesus, when we follow in his footsteps, we're walking in the shadow of the one who brought peace between man and God. And you know what we become when we say yes to him? We become his ambassadors of peace here on earth. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. He encourages us to be ambassadors on his behalf of peace. Well, what does that mean, Todd? Well, it means two things, I believe. Number one, it means telling others about the peace that he can provide, the ultimate peace, the totality, as we're talking about tonight, that the peacemaker provides. But you know what it also means? It also means that we ought to be ambassadors of peace in the relationships that exist in our lives. And so tonight, my challenge to those of you who are Christ followers is, are you being proactive about seeking peace in relationships where there's conflict? Are you being followers of Jesus to the extent that you are representing the Prince of Peace so well that you're inserting peace into those relationships that have conflict? And so tonight, Christmas Eve 2011, that's the message for those of us who are Christ followers tonight. I got to be honest with you, it's a message that's tough to hear, even for me, even for your pastor. And I'm sure that there are many people that you all are thinking about right now. That's the challenge for you this Christmas. That's the challenge for you in 2012, is to seek out peace where peace doesn't exist because we are ambassadors of him. You know, Christmas season, the last week of Christmas, the days leading up to it, now the hours. I heard Belk is open tonight, by the way, for you guys. So uh, anyway, I mean, peace doesn't describe today, does it? Let's face it. We had reservations at a restaurant today and walked in, and you know what? The restaurant was closed. Not peaceful. I, went to, I had two uh, meetings this week. The one was today where the restaurant was closed, and the other was a meeting at a restaurant at lunch earlier this week. The restaurant was gone. So anyway, uh, I've been stood up before, but that's a different kind of stood up, isn't it? Yeah, anyway. Peace is elusive, isn't it? It's hard to find. It's hard to track down. It's hard to even comprehend and understand. It eludes us. We chase it down, but we can never find it. But I'm here to tell you tonight that the one who came as a baby, is the prince of peace. He's the one that offers absolute totality in terms of the relationship between God and man. Accept that peace tonight. And if you've already accepted that peace tonight, you know what? It's good enough for us to receive, then it's good enough for us to give away, isn't it? Father God, I thank you that you've reminded us on this Christmas Eve that you were the great peacemaker. God, that you were the prince of shalom, of the totality, of the completion, of the fulfillment between God and man. 
Thank you, God, that you loved us enough that you sent Jesus into this world to ultimately die for our sins. But God, let's make it personal tonight. God, I thank you that you sent Jesus into this world to die for me. And if you're in here tonight and you've never accepted the Prince of Peace, oh, please don't let another day go by without doing that. Don't let one more day of your life expire before you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's the story of Christmas. And so tonight here in the prayerfulness of this room, if you've never made Jesus your Savior, I want to invite you to do that right now. I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation, of commitment to Him. And you can pray it just in the silence of this room in your heart. And if you're in here today and you said just a few minutes ago, yeah, boy, I'm going to do that. I'm going to determine to do that. I'm just going to ask you to pray that quietly as I pray it right now. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for making me. And thank you, God, that you sent Jesus the promise to be the Prince of Peace. Today, I confess of my sins and I ask you, Jesus, to be my Savior. Help me to turn from my old ways of living and to live for you. If you prayed that prayer just in the quietness of this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. I'm not going to call you up or have you stand up. I just want to pray for you silently. If you prayed that prayer tonight, just slip your hand up, would you? Would you do that? Amen. Anyone else tonight? You prayed that prayer along with me. Father God, I pray that this Christmas season, that we who are ambassadors of you, who are ambassadors of the Prince of Peace, who are representatives of the one that brought ultimate peace to mankind, God, may we seek out ways to insert peace into the relationships that we have. God, may we carry the torch of peace into our world the best way that we absolutely can. Help us to do that this Christmas. Help us to do that in 2012. And I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to do that. We're thankful for the Prince of Peace. And we celebrate that tonight. In Jesus' name I pray.